Welcome. I hope that you didn't get uh, snow skis for Christmas. But as we uh, come to celebrate today, uh, what a beautiful day it is for Christmas Eve service. And as we are gathered, we uh, want to invite you to uh, experience the generosity of God, not just in what we receive, but also in our own gifts given. If you are giving a gift today, there is an offering box in the fellowship hall right, right behind the sanctuary. You're welcome to uh, drop a gift in there um, tonight. If you're online with us, you can go to uh, the giving link that you'll find there. Or any of us can go to bethcov.org and do an online giving gift. And that goes to help with the work and ministry of the church. Uh, but also today we are giving a special gift uh, to Covenant World Relief which is a gift that helps the poorest of the poor in uh, all around the world to help them not only with uh, current needs and disaster relief, but also with developmental development gifts that allow them to become people to become self-sustaining. So your generosity is at work, not just here at Bethlehem Covenant Church, but around the world as well. So thank you for your generosity today. I want to invite that, uh, whoever is reading scripture to come at this time. Oh, also, I have another note in here as well. We have, uh, you have a little card on your seat, but the scripture reader, go ahead and come up. There's a card on the seat uh, that is, talks about Alpha. Alpha is a course that uh, we run here in January uh, that is, uh, describes uh, what it means to live the Christian life. And we invite anyone, actually everyone, to come and be a part of Alpha this year and explore what it means to grow in Christ. But this year we're actually inviting you to do something different. Not just to come be part of Alpha, but rather do something even more special, and that is bring someone to Alpha. In fact, bring all your friends to Alpha, enjoy a table together as we share in a meal and conversation, watch an instructional video about what it means to, to uh, be a Christian, and then uh, have a discussion around that. So come and enjoy Alpha this season. There's a, you can uh, sign up here, um, go to bethcov.org. All right, come and read the scriptures. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I'm going to invite you to take a moment as we're sitting here to uh, go ahead and stand up, if you would, and uh, greet your neighbor, welcome them, and say Merry Christmas.
You can go ahead and be seated. Welcome. Of all the places that the Son of God could have ended up at his birth, why is Jesus in a feeding trough? It seems like some pretty small beginnings. It's all the more baffling when you realize that he wasn't, this wasn't supposed to be a surprise. The world was expecting him for a long time. The prophets of old and the scriptures were pretty clear about it. They described the day when God would act and he would send his Messiah to rescue the world. Isaiah wrote, Listen, your watchmen, lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy when the Lord returns to Zion. They will see it with their own eyes. All the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. So why is it when that moment came, it doesn't seem like anyone was ready? Why does Jesus end up in a manger for a crib? It seems like they were just not expecting him to come like this. Tonight we're reminded that with God, small beginnings have a big impact. It's the divine interruptions that lead to God's best work. So maybe you are waiting on God. Maybe you've been waiting for a long time. Maybe you're expecting God to act in some big biblical proportions kind of way in your life. But you haven't seen it yet. Not yet. Hasn't happened. And you're still waiting. Could it be that God is already at work in your life? Could it be that God is already extending to you an invitation through some small divine interruption that maybe just seems like an inconvenience or maybe an interruption? Is God inviting you to embrace what you're expecting in unexpected ways. Today we're going to look at the people who experienced God's divine interruptions that first Christmas, and in some way they were all waiting for something big, but instead they found something very small. But it had profound, profound and life-changing impacts. So these days, it does seem like we're all waiting. If you are, then this story is for you. It's a story about Christmas, and it's about Jesus. In fact, he is the point of the whole Bible. He's the visible, tangible expression of God, the scriptures say. And today we're going to take a special look at him through the eyes of those who witnessed that little baby in the manger in his first few days. There's something about a newborn baby, isn't there? Something about holding that little child in your arms, so small, so tiny, so precious, so vulnerable, right? So helpless. Babies need us. But just because this little baby is, uh, because he's little, doesn't mean that he is a little God. He is big. He's almighty. He's powerful. He's the promised one who will lift us out of the darkest places in our lives and bring us into his divine light. We don't have to just sing about joy. We can experience joy through him, even in our darkest hours. This baby doesn't need us. We need him. J.D. Greer, he writes, Isaiah's claim was that this baby who would be born that first Christmas would be a mighty God. He would be mighty for all that Israel needed, mighty uh, for all that they lacked, and for all they could never be in themselves. 
They had God, the great I am, the mighty God. Scripture says the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is a big God, a little baby in a manger. The Apostle John, he writes about him. He said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. Jesus was in the beginning with God. Jesus was God. He created all things, and then he did something no one expected. John writes, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That first Christmas, the great creator God, light of the world, was born in a stable. Why did God end up in a feeding trough? It's unexpected. Did something go wrong? Just because we don't expect it doesn't mean that God didn't plan it. It's in these divine interruptions that God changes the course of lives and calls ordinary people, people like you and I, to be part of his salvation plan. Is your life turning out, turning out different than you expected? Mary didn't expect what God had planned, but it was this small interruption that allowed her to experience what she was expecting in an unexpected way. All of Israel, like Mary, was expecting their Messiah to come, just not like this. The Gospel of Luke describes it. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now maybe you're thinking to yourself, Ooh, that would be so cool, right? To have an angel come down and talk to you and talk about God's favor being with you. But if you are like Mary, lowly, humble, meek, living an ordinary life, waiting for the day when she could get married and then start her family, then this is the last thing that you would expect or maybe invite. In fact, nobody was expecting it like this. God had been silent for over 400 years, and everyone expected that when God decided to act, he would certainly speak not to a young virgin woman, but to a prophet, like the prophets of old. But God was stirring, and things were happening that had been talked about long ago, and God chose an unsuspecting young woman to play a central role in what he was about to do and began it with a divine intervention. The passage goes like this. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be, but the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him... Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. So, hey, the Messiah is coming. Yay, right? But she wasn't expecting him to come like this. Yikes. How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? Now, Mary was young, But she knows how babies come, and she wasn't doing that. So this isn't much, or this doesn't make sense. So then the angel explains, The child will be conceived in her by the Holy Spirit, and he will be the Son of God. 
So wow, right? A divine conception resulting in a divine pregnancy. I think that qualifies for a divine interruption. Talk about unexpected small starts. But I think one of the most remarkable things here isn't that God is doing the impossible. You know, that's God's realm, right? That's what God does. I think the most remarkable piece is Mary's response. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. That's it. Mary welcomes the Holy Spirit's work in her life, and the Messiah is conceived. And we see that with God's small beginnings have big impact. Is God inviting you to embrace what you are expecting, maybe in unexpected ways? What divine interruptions might God be using as small beginnings right now in your life in order to accomplish his best work? Mary's hope is transformed by this little baby. Will you invite him to transform you too? The new king, the promised Messiah, the hope of humanity is coming into a dark world. And we don't need to look far to see that the low and humble are often subject to humiliation. Divine interruption or not, Mary's going to face some sideways looks for the situation she's about to find herself in. And maybe you feel that. To the best of your ability, maybe you have been really trying to honor God in your lives, but others don't see it. Does God have a remedy for that, for you, when God's good gets you a bad reputation? Mary's fiancé, Joseph, is about to find out. His story is recorded in Matthew chapter 2. It goes like this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. This baby's not Joseph, and that's the point. At this point, it's impossible for him to believe Mary's story. So Joseph is also expecting God's long-awaited Messiah, just not like this. So God showed up in an unexpected dream that happened like this. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and, Joseph, and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name, what? Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So when Joseph woke up, everything had changed. He was no longer worried about what Mary had done, because now he knew what God did. You ever, have you ever heard of an elf on the shelf? Yes. Are you looking for him? <laughs> it's a Christmas tradition, uh, you know, hiding the elf uh, around the house. Uh, it's a reminder to be good at Christmas. So the myth is that the elf reports back to the North Pole every night. So he's watching kids. Sometimes, literally, I hear now that they come with an actual camera within them so they, they can see all what you're doing. It's a way of encouraging good behavior before Christmas, you know. Good gets a present, right? Bad gets what? Lump of coal. There you go. I think Joseph was seeing God as kind of an elf on the shelf, watching, 
watching his behavior. But after God met with him in a dream, Joseph knew that God was doing what Joseph expected, and he sent his promised Messiah just in an unexpected way. So Joseph woke up and married Mary, and the child was born, and what did he name him? Jesus, which, which means God saves. So Todd Brewery reminds us that this is not an elf-on-the-shelf religion. This is good news of great joy. So are you ready to embrace that joy that comes through divine interruptions? Are you waiting for God to act? Maybe God is already at work. Through a census, Joseph and Mary, they find themselves in the birth city of the Messiah in Bethlehem, where Jesus is born in an unexpected place. Luke says Mary wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. You have all the places for the Son of God to end up. Why is he in a manger? Maybe nobody made reservations. They just weren't expecting him to come like this. A small child in an inconspicuous place. But we are reminded tonight with God, small beginnings have big impact. There were some people that did expect to find a baby in a manger. This is their story. There were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So Katie Murphy, who shared with us the kids' message, uh, in her study of this passage, she had found a unique insight or a discovery. Scholars believe that these shepherds weren't just ordinary shepherds, but rather they had a specific role. They were likely Levitical shepherds, which uh, they raised special lambs uh, for the purpose that, of being used as sacrifices in the temple. So these lambs that they raised were spotless, perfect lambs, just as prescribed by the law, and the shepherds, they took special care of them because they were set aside to be holy. It's likely that it was these shepherds that this next news is announced. An angel of the Lord appeared, the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were terrified, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news, say good news, Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby lying, wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I think that these Levitical shepherds would have gotten this, right? The people walking in darkness, the prophet says, have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light has as dawn. These shepherds would know this phrase. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These shepherds were alarmed, but just because they didn't expect it doesn't mean that God didn't plan it. They got it. When all of heaven breaks loose, and another night in the fields becomes an extraordinary moment to behold. A great company of heavenly hosts appear, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace. The shepherds did the only thing they could, and they went to see what they were expecting. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and a baby who was lying where? In a manger. Why did they find Jesus? In a feeding trough. 
I came across this article. It might help us understand. It's entitled, why Aunt, What Ants Taught Becky Pippert. She writes, One sunny day, I was stretched out on the lawn when I noticed that some ants were busy building a mound. So I began to redirect their steps with twigs and leaves, but they simply bounced off and started a new ant mound. I thought, this is like being God. I'm redirecting their steps and they don't even realize it. At one point, two ants crawled onto my hand and I thought, wouldn't it be funny if one ant turned to the other and said, do you believe in Becky Pippert? Do you believe Becky really exists? I imagine the other ant would say, don't be ridiculous. Becky's a myth, a fairy tale. How comical, I thought, the hubris of that ant declaring that I don't exist when I could easily blow it off my hand. But what if the other ant said, oh, I believe that Becky exists. How would they resolve it? How would they know that I am real? I, I thought, what would I have to do to reveal to them that I am? Suddenly I realized the only way to reveal who I am in a way that they could understand would be to become an ant myself. I would have to identify totally with their sphere of reality. So I sat upright and I remember thinking, what an amazing thought. The scaling down of the size of me to perfectly represent who I am in the form of an ant. Then it hit me. I'm, I had just resolved the, my problem of how finite creatures could ever discover God. God would have to come from the outside and reveal who he is. Just because we don't expect it doesn't mean that God didn't plan it. Jesus, Messiah, Son of God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. What do the shepherds find? He's a baby in a manger. Tonight we're reminded that with God, small things have big impact. So wise men would, wise men would be divinely interrupted by a star that led them to the newborn king. Kings would try to destroy him, but those plans would be interrupted by more divine dreams. Shepherds would spread the word about him, and people were amazed by God's unfolding plan. Even an old man named Simeon, who had long awaited God's Messiah, would finally hold his Savior in his arms. He said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Maybe this Christmas, God is inviting you to embrace Christ's coming in unexpected ways. One by one, those who experienced his birth went back to their lives. Mary and Joseph responded to a plan that they couldn't have made up, and they became earthly parents of the Son of God. The shepherds went home that night, overjoyed in sharing the good news that they had heard, and we are still celebrating that tonight. Even Simeon, an old man, experienced what his longing heart had waited so long to see, and he held God's salvation. When we leave this service tonight, we all have the option to go back to our ordinary lives. Because after all, after tomorrow, Christmas is over. Life goes on. We can go back to life as usual, or we can let this moment be a new beginning. Is God inviting you to embrace his unexpected ways? To embrace this baby in a manger? So why the feeding trough? Why on a bed of hay? Alison Gerber explains it this way. God has put the hope of the world where anyone in the world can reach him. 
Let be, this be the Christmas when you embrace Jesus and let the small divine interruptions you face lead to God's best work. So I'm going to invite us to pray. And as we do, I extend the invitation to you to make this a new beginning in prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, as we come to the manger today, as we hear this Christmas story, we are reminded that our Savior has come, that you came to save us. And Lord, to offer us hope and a new beginning. And so Lord, today, for anyone here who is desiring that this does marks more than just a, a page on a calendar, but that this would be the day of a new beginning with you, God. Um, we, we simply come to you and pray. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for being born in a manger. Lord, as we experience your divine interruptions in our lives, help us, Lord, not to see them as distractions, but rather to see how you are at work. And Lord, we will allow you to move in our lives. And for anyone here today or online with us who is, who is maybe uh, wondering what this all means, maybe ready to take a step of trusting in God's salvation, we simply pray in words like these, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying for me. Forgive me. Fill me with your life. I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight we're reminded that with God, small beginnings have big impact. When they entered that stable, the shepherds found it just as they had been told, a baby lying in a manger, a special baby, the Savior, Christ the Lord. And why was he presented in a manger to Levitical shepherds? Because he is the perfect Lamb of God. A Lamb without spot or without blemish who would be sacrificed to take away the sins of the world. 